Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Share your question or comments using the live chat feature on our website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Again, that's www.allaboutwinebtr.com. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. And we're back. Yeah. All right, settle down, folks. All right. Yeah, that's enough. Settle down. Oh, yeah. Wow. Thank you. Um, Welcome to the show. Yeah. Yeah. Another another week. Another week closer to everybody up north getting warmer every day instead of bad weather. So. (laughs) So we hope. So we hope. So we hope as we head into the. The spring, officially spring now. So, no more snow, no more bad weather, no more anything. It is spring. Uh, mm. my, my no more groundhog time. for a while. Yeah. Yeah. No more groundhog. Uh, at officially 4:49 or 4:47, one of those two. Yesterday afternoon, the uh, the sun passed over the equator. So that was spring started. Oh, uh, we we are officially into it now, and uh, uh, three months from now we'll hit summer. Which, yeah, we've had, then, we've had since January, I think, for most of it. We have here, we've yeah, had, yeah. yeah. We've had summer here. Although it was a little cool a couple of days ago, I you know, yeah, the nights dropping down a little bit, but yeah, it was. Yeah. Had to enjoy it because the last we're going to get for a while, I think. Right. Anything, anything below sixty-five or even seventy, you know. Right. But <laughs> oh well. <clears throat> so uh, don't forget to tune in on my radio show. He's it comes on tonight from midnight or um, no, from, uh, ten to midnight Eastern time. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah, you're welcome at uh, oh, Skyblue Radio. And he yeah, plays the party stuff. And if you want to chat with him, he can chat and do all sorts of stuff. So mm-hmm. if you have requests and everything, something you particularly want to hear, Although, I'm sure uh, he can find it. I, I am. Uh, oh, thank you for that. I, I am drinking uh, some wine this show, so oh, yeah. I'm not sure if I'll make it on time. I may be 10:30 p.m. tonight. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere around there. Sometime tonight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah somewhere around there. Yeah. yeah I, uh, <laughs> I pulled up a pulled up a glass and got some uh, uh, nicely chilled um, strawberry port. So uh, oh, very nice. Very uh, nice. I, I still have uh, still have some strawberry port. It still tastes delicious, and uh, so I'm enjoying that. And um, yeah, some very 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 good one. So yeah, very good. Uh, I had we opened up the last bottle of spice wine, uh, the Florida Ooh. State Winery spice wine, yeah. a couple of days ago. Mm. 
and it was the last one we had. We we are out of it ourselves. I'm sure there's some floating around out there, but uh, uh, we're done. We're done with the spice, which was a sad thing. We we actually, mm-hmm. you know, bowed our heads when we took the last bit out of the bottle because we knew it was gone. So, mm. yeah. Wow. Yeah, that yeah, was a good, was, definitely a very delicious wine. Yeah. Um, we were sad. Yeah, I, yeah we, I drank that for years. I remember that one. God, when I first went to the winery, I, I was hooked on spice wine. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Oh man, that was that was good. And then. Mm. Okay. And, uh, we moved over to port. And, yep. But yeah, we're, we're out yeah. of spice. We still we still have bottles of port, but the spice is gone. Mm. And, wow. and we're slowly getting rid of all that. That we had, I, like I say, I'm sure there's some people out there that still have all the wines sitting on their racks, and I can't drink that. If I do, it's no more. Well, yeah, it won't <laughs> last forever. So, <laughs> so be careful. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so if if wine. you have an if you have an unopened bottle, like you know the seal and everything is still on it, how long can you keep it like that? I mean, I know it differs, but uh, yeah, a lot. <laughs> The yeah, shelf, I the shelf life, unopened, properly stored. Assuming everything is is perfect for it, it it, it should last a while. It's well, it, yeah. If if everything's perfect, and some wines aren't aren't really there's, well, oh, that that's a loaded question, really. <laughs> Most wines are made to be drank. Mm-hmm. Most wines oh, yeah. really aren't made to be aged. I mean, I would say. Right. Upwards of over ninety percent, if not more, are made to be drank. You right. and I, I think I read a statistic a while, you know, a number of years back, that said that. What I can't remember. Ninety percent, ninety-five percent of all wines that are bought are consumed within the first twenty-four hours. Mm. People buy them, take them home, they drink them, and. That's it. So because well, of that statistic, most wines aren't really made to be aged because people are going to drink them. I, you know, I, and I used to always say that uh, people come into the winery and I said, you know, drink these wines. You know, they're not going to age. Not going to it, it drives me crazy when I walk into a winery and the person behind the counter says, now this wine, you really should take it home and age it for another five or six years to give its peak. And I oh, would wow. say, wait a minute, you know, it, yeah. the sad thing about that is, number one, people aren't going to age it. Number two, if they do, most people don't know what they're doing. And that's not a slap on anybody. That's just a fact. Most people don't know what they're doing. They'll store it in a spot where they shouldn't be storing it. They'll, they'll, you know, they, if the temperature won't be controlled. Humidity won't be controlled. It'll, it'll, there's too many factors. Once that wine walks out your door, you quit controlling it. Mm-hmm. And so to tell people that five years from now it's going to be best, so you really should age it, then they take it home and they throw it on top of the refrigerator in a pretty wine rack they have up there. And four and a half years from now they say, oh, it's time to open it. They open it and they drink it and it's horrible. And they say, oh, this wine is terrible. He didn't know what he was talking about. This wine is a horrible wine. Well, it's because of how they tried to age it. And it's just it's a sore spot with me with wineries out there who tell you that you need to age a wine for so many years. And if you know what you're doing, hey, you 
more power to you. Well, that's great. That's wonderful. And a lot of wines will age five, you know, 10 years and be better. But most people don't. They don't have the facilities or the, or the knowledge to age it properly. And then they end up with a bad bottle of wine. So uh-huh. most, most wines really should be drank. Now, if you are going to age your wine, then, you know, ask the people, if you buy in the liquor store, if you buy in it, will this age? And white wines, Chardonnays will have a better chance than any of them. Uh, Riesling, if it's sweet, will age. Sweet wines will age. You see reds, Cabernets, Zimitol, and Merlots. Those are more ageable than than others. But most of them aren't made to be aged. You go down the store, and if you're going to get a wine that's going to age, you're going to end up out of your financial comfort zone. Most people buy wines from 7 to $15. If you want wines that are really going to be aged, you can find a few in that range. But it's the ones that you're spending $20, $25 for that will age. That will improve over time. And so, and there's exceptions. So, you know, all of you out there listening to me say, oh, that's not right. Well, yeah, uh, basically it is right. There are exceptions all over the place. Oh, look at this. My engineer brought me a wine. She brought me a Chardonnay. (laughs) That's always nice to have your engineer in the background here. This is Ben Ben 65 Bright Chardonnay, a 2016. It's Dr. Henry John Lindemann's. Uh, Lindemann's, it says on the back of the bottle, Ben 65 Bright Chardonnay from southeastern Australia. And it, uh, let's see, let me get a good light here. Lindemann's iconic Ben 65 Chardonnay has been brought to life through artist David Bromley's eyes. The interpretation of sunshine in a bottle has been coupled with the bright, generous flavors of Chardonnay to bring you the contemporary approachable style of wine which gives which goes perfectly with food, family and friends. So I'm drinking it tonight with friends. You guys out there, all of you. Um approachable. I, I love words like that on a wine label. This is approachable as opposed to an unapproachable wine. I don't know. I have a <laughs> I don't I don't always understand, you know, different. It makes people say, oh, this is approachable. I need to buy this. Cause, well, isn't all wine approachable? Uh, it's that it's it's that poetic thing they put on on the wine labels. It, it, to be, a, you know, sudden poets now, we have to use that kind of language on there, I guess. I don't know. A, approachable? It, how, how you... uh, approachable. This yeah. wine, uh, you know, I... I I have yet to see a wine that says this wine is unapproachable. So, right. You know, I don't know. Approachable. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice Chardonnay. And it's not real acidic either. A lot of wines you tend to, Chardonnay tend to start coming out of acidic. This one. And it doesn't say that it was any oak aging. Usually they brag about the oak, too. This doesn't say anything about that. So, huh. it's Lindemann's Australian. Uh, Eastern Australia, very pretty label with looks like sunflowers on it. So uh, orange label, orange cap, a new look, tastes great. Uh, screw cap on it. 
So, uh, which, you know, no big deal. Again, most people drink their wines right away, so the screw cap's not going to hurt anything. But that's, she brought me a Chardonnay. Good for her. Uh, Mike asked me at the show last week, once we were off the air, about, I mentioned different wines, and let me refer back to that. Uh, Red Bridos, I said I had a chart here, which is a great little chart. And it was talking about different wines from different regions and stuff, uh, like uh, Sangiovese, which is also known as Mor- Morlino or Imprugnola Gentile, uh, originally from the Tuscany region of Italy. Now it's grown in Italy, California, Washington. And the characteristics, dark, sour cherries, plum, spice, earthiness, undergrowth with super dry tannins. Um, Tempranillo, uh, grown in originally Rajo region of Spain, now in Spain, southwest France, Argentina, and California. Flavor characteristics of, of and aromas of dried cherries, spices, black currants, and a wide variety of earthy components such as dust, tobacco, and black olives. And Mike, after the show, said, where do these come from? Where did these characteristics come from? Where do these these uh, taste come from? He said, it's surely not added. And I said, you're right. It's not added. But these are hints of flavors. And this is something else I always used to warn people about. And particularly in the classes I talk, I would say, don't let descriptions think that you don't know what you're doing. Because uh, if it says, well, like the Sangiovese and sour cherries, plum, spiciness, if you don't detect that, then that's okay. That this, these are these are characteristics that this grape normally brings forth after fermentation. It's not anything that's added. It's not flavors that's added. It's not you know a drop of, of plum. Uh, concentrate added to the juice. It's just these are some of the things that come up, but they are always subtle. They're always small. Now, some wines you'll pick up. For example, well, I notice this a lot in the Cabernet. You pick up a Cabernet, you smell it, and you get a lot of uh, chocolate. Uh, Merlot is very good about that, too. And Merlot gives you uh, some chocolatey undertones uh, in, in the smell. And it really does. You smell like chocolate. Uh, and then there's other wines uh, I'd like. Well, let's go to a white wine like the Sauvignon Blanc. Sauvignon Blanc gives you a grassy undertones, a grassy smell. These are what the grape brings out. The winemaker can very easy buy stopping fermentation by manipulating it, not bringing out these things. But most winemakers want to bring these out. These are characteristics of the grape that make it so interesting and so appealing in the fact that it does bring out all these different characteristics and all these different flavors. Um, like a Zimadol, uh, the uh, Zimdo, we discussed this a couple weeks ago, the origin of his uh, creation descent, and now grown in California, Chile, and a few other places known as different grapes. But characteristics, raspberries, dark cherry, plum, blackberries, it, you know, 
notes of uh, black pepper. These are things that you get in uh, Zimmendorf. Not that it's added, but a Zimmendorf grape itself when fermented wine. What was that? Don't know. I don't see any... Uh, Did you hear something? Was, it just cut off the audio for a minute. Or like a just a quick clip. Oh, of I, heard, anything. I heard something click in my ear and it sounded real strange. I thought, okay. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know what. I'm always scared that you're going to be disconnected when you, you know, in the middle of this. Then five minutes later, I go, wait a minute. I, nobody's heard me. <laughs> you know? So, but that's... Um, yeah, you know, to answer your question, Mike, that basically is what it is. The grapes tend to lend themselves to these flavors. And some wines that are made tend to lend themselves to it more than others. Uh, some styles of winemakers will tend to bring it out more than others. But these are all things that these particular grapes, if you want to get a chocolatey nose, a chocolatey um, aroma coming from a wine, grab a Merlot. Merlots are infamous, are famous either way for that chocolatiness on it. Um, and dark fruits, black fruits. Uh, Gamay. Gamay gives you a, little, a lighter, bright red fruit type notes. Uh, the uh, but different grapes will do this, and that's why they say these are the ones to look for. But, but, and I always like to emphasize, these are subtle. These are very subtle aromas. These are very subtle things that you're going to find. Uh, every once in a while, you will find them that they will just jump right out of the glass at you. And you go, oh, my gosh, I can really smell the tobacco in this Cabernet. And it will happen. But most of the time, it's uh, just a little soft. You, you have to look for it. And it's always, hmm. always stirred up, aired out. Swirl the wine in the glass, and it's going to open it up a little bit and give you... Uh, release its aromas uh, better. That's why people are advocates of decanting because decanting airs it out a little bit faster and it lets the uh, lets the aromas come out. But uh, so oh. to answer your question, that uh, that's, that's where they come from. They come from the grape, basically, you know, and then the, the winemaker can can bring it out more by styles or they can subdue it by styles even, but most of them try to bring it out. Wow. All right. Thank you. Huh. A, You're welcome. To... <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that was a good question. And, you know, and I, I, I just, I, I immediately, whenever I start talking about aromas coming out, I, I just think, okay, well, this was it. You know, people know it, but people don't. And you're right. That, mm. That is a that is a good question because people don't understand where these aromas come from, and I've had people ask me that at the winery before too. I'll I'll pour a wine and I'll say, now you're going to get a bit of such and such in the nose on this, and they'll say, oh, did you add it? And I go, no, uh, that's you know, and it's it's a common mis misconception that's added. So, hmm. awesome. Okay, so <clears throat> I got that food. What are we gonna What are we gonna eat this next week? Today is to remind you National Crunchy Taco Day. Um, I like tacos. Also, National French Bread Day and National California Strawberry Day. Just California, nobody else. 
Tomorrow, World Water Day, which I know people who, who add water to their wine. And quite a few people add water. People put ice cubes in their wine, so that's, that's water. Um, but I know people actually water down the wine a little bit. They like the taste of the wine, but they don't don't want to have a whole bunch of that, so it actually cuts down alcohol. But Saturday coming up is National Chips and Dip Day. That would be fun with wines, you know, depending on your dip and depending on your chip. That would be fun to pair that with some wine. National Melba Toast Day is also Saturday. Melba Toast is, I don't know, what, what Melba Toast is, is, a, is a baby toast. I don't know if any other time we would use Melba Toast except give it to babies. But, you know, that's just me. I'm not a, not a Melba Toast fan. Sunday, National Tortillo Chip Day. And Sunday's National Cheese Steak Day. Oh, there you go. Cheese steak and wine, that sounds delicious. Monday, International Waffle Day. And it doesn't say anything added to it, but it is a waffle day. Monday, uh, or I'm sorry, Tuesday. Monday's Waffle Day. Tuesday, National Nougat Day. When you say nougat, does that mean... A nut, or is there any other type of nougat? And is there a specific type of nougat? I don't know. Mondays on or Tuesday is also National Spinach Day. And oh, I, I said that wrong. Monday is International Waffle Day. Tuesday is National Waffle Day. Now, why they didn't join those together, I have no idea. But Monday is International Waffle Day, and Tuesday is just Waffle, National Waffle Day. Wednesday, National World Whiskey Day. So you can put down the bottle of wine that day and enjoy some whiskey, but then pick up the wine again because Wednesday is also National Spanish Piella Day. And then next Thursday, since we don't come on until later, National Black Forest Cake Day. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And National Something on a Stick Day. Sounds like a state fair thing to me there. Something on a stick. Uh, so that's coming up this next week. There's all sorts of things you can enjoy wine with. There was a noise again. There's something wrong with our with Skype or something there because I keep hearing noises. Um, so that's what's coming up this next week. So uh, you can match up wine, I'm sure, with one of those uh, or all of those. Find the right wine. Okay, now I found before I get into the meat of today, and we might have to spread. Well, no, depends. Um, I found something. This is out of Growing and Produce magazine, our American uh, American fruit grower and Western fruit grower is actually what it is. You can growing growingproduce.com is the website that's what green. but American Fruit Grower and Western Fruit Grower, uh, the March 2019 issue. But this is talking about a, uh, a convention that was held in California, uh, the American Society for Enology and Viticulture, ASEV, 
and the California Association of Wine Grape Growers, uh, CAWG. Uh, they joined together and did a convention, had speakers and all that. Uh, it's a unified, comprehensive format and it uh, responds to the wine and grape industry's need for information, discussion, and connections. It drew nearly 14,000 people from all over the globe, including exhibitors from nearly 30 countries, and for 25 years, Unified has been the leader with professionals to meet and discuss the latest news. So this is, this is a big thing. They've been doing it for a long time and all that. And they talked about the state of the wine industry. Uh, Mike Vesit is a wine economist, and he moderated the state of the industry presentation. He noted some troubling trends, he said, uh, in the uh, global industry, wine industry. Uh, The 2017 worldwide harvest of grapes was the smallest in a half a century. Uh, it didn't lead to any shortages, though. Everybody still had enough, but it was the smallest in half a century. And this attributed this to weather, uh, weather phenomenon all around the world. And speaking of weather, people in Nebraska, are, my thoughts and prayers go out to all of you up there in Nebraska, Iowa, Missouri, you know, some Idaho. Uh, wow, uh, serious floods up there. My thoughts are with you. The... Last time the harvest was this low was um, the start of the 2008 recession, which uh, caused sales to go flat. But uh, when the economy recovered, the global economy did not completely. And so the last decade in the global economy for wine, global wine has really not shot back up like it was well, like it was expected to. Uh, worldwide per capita wine consumption, uh, actually all alcohol, was not going up like they expected. And the population and growth in markets that traditionally consumed the most wine is also flat. So uh, the pie's not getting any bigger. Uh, it's a war for the shares, they said. Uh, this is what's looking forward. Uh, the um, overall wine industry is stable, but more so than in other areas of agriculture, but still it's flat. Uh, it's going flat. And they say part of the reason is marijuana. And you all expected that, I'm sure. Because of marijuana, it is starting to cut into some numbers on the wine consumption. And it's uh, also affecting prices of wine and all that. Cannabis is a conversation that was talked about continuously at this seminar. And a lot of wine companies tend to be hedging their bets with cannabis investments. Uh, Constellation brands for example, one of the largest and, uh, well, it, it not right there at the top with all the uh, couple other big ones, has invested over $4 billion 
in Canada's cannabis growing uh, uh, with uh, with Canada's cannabis grower called Canopy Growth, and now is a thirty eight percent share uh, owns thirty eight percent percent share of that company. This is Constellation. That's a big one. Uh, fifth generation grower in Lodi, uh, a Marissa Lang said that uh, uh, growers face skyrocketing costs. Also, uh, the per acre operating costs in her area in Lodi uh, for growing Cabernet uh, Cabernet Sauvignon has gone from just over one thousand dollars an acre in 1997 to $12,500 an acre now. Wow. And they, they can't afford that. They can't keep that up without raising prices well, substantially. Uh, the percentage there is, is unbelievable growth. By 2022, a grower will need upwards of 15% more per ton to remain at margin to today's prices. <laughs> so it's uh, uh, staggering, staggering uh, what's happening with costs and all that. Uh, California growers are facing facing a crisis, uh, as they are all over the world, and it's we're going to start seeing a difference in the uh, in the cost, and it's going to start affecting all of us. The the results of Allied's annual nursery survey was revealed that 22 million vines were sold in the state of California in 2018. That's the most since 2014, which is a surprising number. But because the reason for that is, is that grapevines in growing areas are changing. And we've talked about this. The, the climate change is affecting the grapevines. And so because it is affecting the grapevines, they're having to put these grapevines at, well, in different areas, different grapes and stuff. A, let's see, a, a, a video of a harvester going through a vineyard, but with no gondola because there were no market for the grapes and the growers had to harvest to maintain vine health, but you did not have anyone to sell them to because certain grapes just aren't selling. So he said that people who are looking at if they have underperforming grapes or non-performing grapes or older vineyards that they're looking at uh, replacing or uh, some of them that are surviving only because the market is good right now and they're going to look at changing in a few years, do it now. Now's the time to do it. Now's the time to tear it up, which would, again, result in higher prices for us. There's that noise again. I don't know what that is. Which would result in higher prices for us, the consumer out here. So uh, that's uh, the, the market not overall good in wine out of California around the world. They're saying that, you know, it's a... The, the warming in the area that the grapes are growing, how they're growing, is starting to be affected. Uh, and we're starting to see a little bit of it. This is one thing that's interesting, though. Wine grape vines that were sold in 2018. And the, the preference tends to be toward red. 69% of the 
grape vines sold was red, whereas 31% were white. 30% of the grape vines were Cabernet Sauvignon, 30.6. Next came Pinot Noir at 25.6. And then Chardonnay at 18.9. And then you had uh, a variety of different ones uh, out there. Other reds, Merlot, 2% all. Red blenders, this is Syrah, uh, Torredego, Petite Syrah, that's 5%. Bordeaux blenders, Malbec, Cabernet Franc, Petit Bordeaux. 3.2%, Muscat Canelli, 1.4%, Pinot Grigio was up to 1.6%. So the the grape sold that's looking at, and you figure five years to get these things going, get these things online, um, heads in a bet with Pinot Noirs and Cabernets and Chardonnays more than anything else. So that's... Uh, I don't want to say it does not bode well in the wine industry because it does. There's lots of wineries out there and a lot of them that are still doing well and a lot of them that are still selling well. And there's a lot of them that are available and there's grapes from all over the world and there's grapes from all over the country and there's wines from all over the country. But we're going to start seeing a difference in prices simply because so much of the country counts on California grapes to supplement their, their winery. Uh, supplement their their stock supplement what they are making so because of that we're going to start seeing a difference in in some prices and not a lot it'll creep up and you go out to buy a bottle of wine and you won't think well I only paid $11.99 for this last week and now it's $12.99 that won't cross your mind because you just grab it but it's going to start being there you're going to start seeing a difference okay this Something. Oh, I know. I, said. I have uh, a couple of wineries that are having events coming up. <coughs> excuse me. I <coughs> excuse me again. I it, it is springtime, and we have two big oak trees right out in the front yard. Actually, the whole neighborhood's full of oak, and everything's turning yellow from the pond from it. Well, I'll tell you why. It's affecting me. I am. I get plugged up. I can't can't breathe sometimes and all that. And so as I start talking here, if I'm coughing, I apologize for it every time and as a blanket apology. Walsh Vineyards. Walsh Vineyards is having some events uh, over coming up in April. Walsh Vineyards, for those of you who don't remember, is in Mannheim, Pennsylvania. Uh, 1599 Old Line Road in Mannheim, Pennsylvania. You can contact them at, at uh, Walsh Vineyard. Let's see. WalshVineyards.com. So that's their web address. But they are having wine pairing dinner at CODA, K O D A, uh, in Lancaster County. They'll feature multi course arrangements with accompanying wine pairings that's coming up on April the 4th 630 $65 per person uh, before the meal you have all sorts of appetizers with uh, a Waltz Fusion 2017 wine almost supper you have uh, even more appetizers fried clam bellies pork belly potato cream, celery, pickles uh, with Walsh Old Lime Chardonnay 2016. For supper, 
braised short rib, carrot puree, pearl onions and mushrooms with a Walsh Baron Red 2015. After supper, chocolate crepe, peanut butter ganache, and candied bacon fruit with a Walsh Baird Red Rock Red 2016. So lots of food, lots of stuff, lots of wine, only 65 per person. I'm sure the tax and gratuity are not included. If you are in Pennsylvania, April the 4th. Yeah, April the 4th starts at 6.30 to Thursday. Get your reservations in, though, because without reservations, then you probably won't be able to... uh, Probably won't... What happened? What did I do? Oh, there it is. Okay. Uh, I lost it for a minute there. I lost the page I was on. So that's coming up April the 4th. Walls Vineyards also has something coming up on April the 7th. A wine pairing dinner at the General Sutter Inn. That is if I get rid of this pop-up on the front of my page here. There it goes. That is at the General Sutter Inn. It's a five-course meal paired with wine. Uh, that is $85 per person, including tax and gratuity. Uh, starts doors open at 5:30. Runs into uh, start dinner starts at six. Uh, they will have entertainment and all sorts of neat stuff. I won't read you the menu. It's a five course meal paired with wine. Every one of them. Seven one seven six six four nine four six three is their phone number. Uh, info at waltzvineyard.com or www.waltzvineyard.com. So uh, get a hold of them if you're in that area and you want to enjoy any of those things coming up. I'm sure they will be happy to have you. Henry River Winery. Henry River Winery is uh, going to be closed on Saturday the 30th and Sunday the 21st of April. 30th for a private wedding and 21st of April for Easter. But they have the Pack the Porch event coming up on uh, April the 28th and June the 2nd, where they're going to have music and wine and all sorts of events, uh, live entertainment for you. And then they've got other events. Uh, they're located in South Carolina, Newberry, South Carolina, 803-276-2855. And it is Henry what is it? Henry River Vineyards.com. Okay. So enter E N O R E E. Enter uh, Great people, too. There's some very nice people there involved in that. And let's see. I'm, I know I had another one that I want to tell you about. Uh, Oh, Tablas Creek. Tablas Creek is the newsletter come out. They're talking about the spring equinox and how it's in. Uh, as we talk tonight, they, they uh, their uh, blog has a whole bunch of pictures of what's going on. They keep informed and show you the blog and show the pictures and everything. Uh, so that's very interesting. I was doing some research for biodynamics, and we're going to talk a little bit, start talking about biodynamics soon here. I'm not going to finish it tonight because uh, 
I've told you all this other stuff, but we'll talk about the rest of biodynamics next week. We talked about biodynamics about five years ago. We went into it and I explained it all to you and everything. But it's been over five years, so it's time to talk about it again, fill you in on some stuff. And for all of you new listeners, uh, if you haven't heard about it, if you haven't listened to the archives, we'll go through it again. But Tablis Creek has their blog. It's at uh, info at tabliscreek.com. You can sign up for their blog. It's it's an interesting blog. It, it really is. So you can do that. And then I think I've got, I'm pretty sure I've got something else here. Yes, uh, Keith Joshua Vineyards. Keith Joshua Vineyards, uh, located in Arizona. They have a couple of things coming up. They have a professional chili cook-off and winemaker full chop cooking challenge set for April the 13th at Keith Joshua. Uh, they, uh, and there's a picture of Keith also. Uh, they are going to have five wineries who will be offering wine and spirits tasting. Uh, they're going to have live music. They're going to have activities, uh, chili tasting while the spine lasts, and live music. And uh, then they're going to have uh, some more music professional cooks turn in chili for judging. And uh, just a fun event. <coughs> Excuse me again. This is coming up on, uh, where is my date on this? $15 for wine, five wine tastings. Advanced tickets can be purchased at www.keithjoshua.eventbrite.com. And Keith Joshua, K-I-E-F-J-O-S-H-U-A, dot e- eventbrite, E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E, eventbrite.com. So you can go to that and find out what's going on. And uh, March 30th, so next week, wow, where it's, it's getting getting close to us here for this chili cook-off. Then coming up on May 17th and the 18th, they have the wine uh, wine festival. Dinner in the Vines is June the 1st at Keith Joshua. September 21st, Mag- Magdalena Bash Harvest Festival. They have that every year. It's a great event. And then Harvest Feast October the 12th. So, you know, mark your calendars. Those are save-the-date things for you. But this next one, the chili cook-off, is coming up the end of this month. And uh, let's see, yeah, March 30th, uh, the Bravo Vino Festival uh, will be the, on. Uh, well, wait a minute, no. No, it's the Bravo Vino Festival will be held uh, in Tucson on March 30th from 11 to 6. And that includes several wineries from around southern Arizona and the Winemaker Fall Chopped Cooking Challenge and Professional Chili Cook-Off is April 13th from 11 to 5. Uh, And uh, for a $10 donation you can taste chilies and uh, then for $15 five different wineries and uh, Sioux Vendor Winery. So that's April 15th. There you go. 
Well, that was confusing to me. Keith Joshua in Tucson, uh, in, uh, well, I say Tucson, they're actually south of Tucson by about an hour south. Uh, they're located at 370 Elgin Road in Elgin, Arizona. And you can contact them uh, again at uh, keithjoshua.com uh, or keithjoshuawinery.com or vineyards. Well, kj-vineyards.com. Boy, it might be nice if I get the correct address. kj-vineyards.com. So that's where they are, and that's just coming up there. If you are a winery, if you have events associated with wine, send me an email. I will be sure to let people know. I don't mind letting people know. I was going to talk tonight about biodynamics. I still am. I'm going to start talking about biodynamics because it's something that we, we've discussed before, and it's, it's sort of cool. Biodynamic wines is sort of cool. I've never had a biodynamic wine. What I'm going to do, though, is I'm going to buy one because there's a lot of them out there. I find out after reading this article and research I've been doing and all that, there's a lot of biodynamic wines out there. And I'm always saying, how can the biodynamic wine be that much better? Well, according to the articles and things I've read, yeah, they are. So I don't know uh, it, if they are or not. I personally tend to think, how can they be that much better? But they say it, it can be. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to get started on talking about biodynamics today, and then we'll finish talking about it next week. So then that way, a little teaser to keep you keep you coming back. Uh, they do that on, on the radio now. They've got a big thing they're doing now. Have you ever heard of this? In 10 minutes, we're going to discuss it. And I'm going to, in 10 minutes, I'm going to be out of the car in, in the store. I'm not going to hear you in 10 minutes. Tell me. That is Biodynamic. It's gaining visibility and popularity in the wine world. It's still a small part of the global wine production. It's still out there. There are more than 80 Detmeter, Detmeter, Demeter, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, D-E-M-E-T-E-R, Demeter. They are the certifying body for biodynamic wine growers in the United States. Uh, so there are 80 certified biodynamic wine growers in the United States. There are nearly 500 such wine growers in Europe. I don't think they're all certified. There are nearly 200 more that are certified by the European Biodynamic Wine Organization, Respect Biodin, that's spelled R-E-S-P-E-K-T, B-I-O-D-Y-N, Biodin, Respect Biodin, which is 27 members, and Biodivin, B-I-O-D-Y-V-I-N, which has 150 members. In Australia and South America, the movement is also starting to grow. And in addition, there's lots of winemakers who practice biodynamics but have chose not to get. Now, Demeter, Demeter, I'm not sure. Demeter, Demeter. I will say Demeter uh, from now on. 
Demeter has her website. It is www.demeter-usa.org. Their website is not all wine, all wine grapes. It is everything that they certify. And there's a lot of certification for biodynamic. It is not just grapevine, but it's lots of stuff. Uh, the um, the uh, uh, website has biodynamics in the news. It lists all sorts of uh, different things that you can click on and go to and look about biodynamics and the farming and the uh, why you should support it and interviews with winemakers and all sorts of different stuff uh, in here. One of the things that it says, what's in a name defining organic, biodynamic, and natural wines? Now, organic, biodynamic, and uh, organic, biodynamic, and natural are not all the same. They are very distinct, very separate things. Organic wine is made of grapes grown without the use of pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, or synthetic fertilizers in the vineyard. In the vineyard, bugs, weeds, and other pests are managed using natural substances or removed by hand. Fertilizers include things like compost, compost teas, green manure, and cover crops. When it comes to winemaking, wines are made without any chemical or synthetic products and are generally not manipulated by processes such as reverse osmosis or excessive filtration. The use of cultivated yeast or egg whites for clarification is allowed, but the use of sulfites, which is SO2, I talked about sulfites a couple of weeks ago if you want to refer, to help preserve the wine is still unresolved. So in organic, you're going to find sulfites. Uh, it's, it's still a, uh, an iffy thing on that. In the U.S., organic wine cannot contain added sulfites. In Europe and Canada, the addition of a small amount of sulfites is allowed. But if it says organic, that does not mean it does not have sulfites. Organic does not mean no sulfites. Sulfites are natural byproduct of fermentation. So all of you out there who are sulfite phobic, uh, it's not, you're going to get it in wine. And it's not going to hurt you and it's not going to do anything to you and don't worry about it. Okay, that's organic. Now, that sounds pretty strict, doesn't it? Okay. Biodynamic. A biodynamic winery in Niagara, uh, Southbrook Vineyards, explains it as, quote, biodynamics emphasizes the balance and interrelationship of a farm's soil, plants, and animals to grow low-impact, vibrant crops, including grapes. It treats the whole farm as a single living entity, the end quote. Okay, in addition to not using any chemicals or pesticides, biodynamic farming also uses specially prepared compost. The addition of ingredients such as herbal teas and the orientation of the moon and stars to help determine when to plant, plow, treat, and harvest. People who follow biodynamics also believe that the moon has an impact on how your wine tastes, as illustrated in the image below, which I'll talk about in a minute. 
The best days to drink your wine are fruit and flower days when the wine will be most expressive and open. All right, that is biodynamic. Now, there are... Days you should be drinking your wines and days you should not. The... Air and light days are flower days. These are good days to drink wine. Warmth days. These are fruit days. These are good days to drink wine. Earth days. These are root days. These are not good days to drink wine. And water days, which is leaf days, are not a good day to drink your wine. This is biodynamic. Um, Biorhythms came out a few years ago about people who go through cycles in their life and they go through biorhythms and there are good biorhythm days and there are bad biorhythm days and you shouldn't do this if you're on a bad day. And if you have a whole bunch of lows, excuse me, if you have a whole bunch of lows, that's bad and you shouldn't be doing much of anything. If you have a whole bunch of high days, these are days that you can really excel and stuff and all that. That's just a biodynamic and it was very popular mid-late 60s. The biodynamic on wine still basically goes into that too, uh, based on the astrology, uh, the uh, astronomy scale, and it talks about um, how the fruit plants and the blossom plants are good on for wine drinking, whereas the root plants and leaf plants are not good for wine drinking. All that. This is all biodynamic okay and the very important of what what you plant and when you plant in the phases of the moon and stuff like that natural wine okay now oh back up biodynamic is organic only a step further so all the rules and regulations i just read to be organic basic applies to biodynamic and then you go into the uh, phase of the moon and stars and planting horns in the ground with uh, well, with cow manure and things like that. <coughs> me. Natural wine. Natural wine, the grapes are farmed organically or biodynamically, but once in the winery, there is very little intervention. Grapes are crushed but not pressed, and only wild or ambient yeast are used for fermentation. And I talked about yeast last week and the different types of yeast. So we can refer back to that. Only wild yeast. And that's not always enough yeast, but that's all they use. There is also no filtration or fining to remove any particles or sediments, and no sulfur or sulfites are used to help stabilize the wines, although they are naturally occurring. Essentially, the grape juice is left to make itself into wine, resulting in a very natural product. While there are certifications for organic and biodynamic wines, there is nothing yet for natural wines. Most natural producers will follow the above guidelines, but often with variations. Many people believe that organic and biodynamic wines taste better just as with organic produce or anything else, they say that the wines are fresher, brighter, and more complex. Natural wines can have a distinct raw and rustic flavor that is not for everyone. 
but there is certainly complexities and honesty in these wines. And there, there we go again. You know, in an approachable wine, this, these wines have honesty. What they're basically saying is, you're not getting all the fish. You're going to, you know, this is what you get in the wine, and it's not always good. As with all wine. And it's good to explore the different ones outside your comfort zone to see what you would like to try or like to drink or like to do. So those are the three types of wines out there that we're hearing about. Organic, biodynamic, and natural. Very few wines I have ever seen that say anything about natural. And I think the reason for that is is that it's because there's no certification for it. There is certification for organic and biodynamic, but not yet in the natural wine category. So, biodynamic. Uh, the meter is the meter USA is the only certifier in the United States for biodynamic farms and products. Uh, the requirements for certification that the National Organic Program required for biodynamic certification. So you have to be certified by the National Organic Program to be certified for biodynamic. And it goes into other details on what you can do for all sorts of stuff. But when it comes to just wine itself, there are... The, the different things that you can do. Now, let me go into something else here. Uh, again, organic, biodynamic, and natural do not mean the same thing. They are close and they they need each other, but they are not the same certifications, uh, the same type. Pesticides, herbicides, and sulfites are not necessarily evil. There are certain things that you can use uh, in when you make biodynamic wines, but it's it, organic and biodynamic farming actually brings life to the soil. It, it opens up and helps the soil as opposed to a lot of the stuff that will kill it. Natural wine has been said to be a fad. It's not. It's because of the movement, because of you lovely millennials, natural wine, biodynamic, and organic actually are becoming more and more popular out there. There's a, uh, well, it doesn't say natural, so I'm, I'm not going to even bring it up to you. Natural wines can taste a little bit off. Uh, it's a strength of yeast that gives a barnyard or saddle leather smell, and it's it's just dead yeast cells that you're actually smelling. Um, I, I talked about some of these aromas and smells last week and the things that are bad in the wine. Check those out. A lot of those can apply to natural because we're not doing anything to kill these things in there. Um, you know, there there are sour beers out there that some people love, other people don't. Same thing with natural it tends to be 
I don't know. Different. I haven't had it then. And uh, biodynamics is, well, we'll get into that a lot more. Uh, producing natural wines is not regulated. Okay, that is not regulated yet. You, there's no rules or regulations. Uh, so when it says natural wines, then, you know, you have to look at the fact you, you know, don't age it, don't do anything. It may be not your your thing. And natural wines, biodynamics, organic, might not age well. If you're going to get those, uh, the, it's a good possibility that you're not going to get wines that are going to age well in those. Those are actually made to be drank, drink them. They're, they're made to be drank, and that's what you should be doing with them is drinking them. Uh, okay, let me get out of this. Let me go. So, Detmer Biodynamic Certification. You can sign up for the website for them if you want. There's a little place on there where you can uh, get their newsletter. They'll send you a newsletter and uh, tells you how to get certified and all that other good stuff if you're interested. But again, www.demeter-usa.org and you can uh, see all the stuff that they have to say there on all that. So, uh, Respect Bioden. Respect Bioden is uh, a company that is in France. It is uh, goes into the European organic ventures and how they do. And uh, it's uh, got a lot of stuff. I was looking all through this website early. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on this. You can check it out yourself. That's at www.respekt-biodyn-bio. Okay, yeah, and that's that's their their website there. So you can check that out. Uh, you're gonna have to click on the the translate on everyone unless you understand French because a lot of it's in French you had to translate uh, but the community it tells you uh, history of the association the philosophy operating principles uh, tells about uh, biodynamic preparations and biodynamic preparations is the the big one this is uh, this is what it's all about Compost preparations, yarrow or the 502, chamomile 503, nettle 504, oak bark 505, dandelion 506, valerian 507. These are recovery things. Field sprays uh, bringing, in order to bring or hold these forces in balance, you have to work with two biodynamic field spray preparations. One in preparation of 500 represents expansion and growth, and preparation of 501 represents concentration and maturing. Horn manure, which is referred to as preparation 500, is cow's horns are filled with fresh, high-quality cow manure and buried in the ground over the winter months. The vitality of the winter earth radiates in the content of the cow horns and produces a unique transformation process. This preparation acts accordingly on the soil and plant roots, and it builds the soil structure and promotes microbiome, uh, 
microbial life and the formation of hummus. And horn silico, silica also called preparation 501. This is manufactured from silica, finely ground, very pure quartz. And it's also placed in cow horns and buried over the summer months. The earth is this with the heat from the sun, and it is unfolded plant organs. And the cow horn takes over the task of collecting the summer's energy, which is stored in the silica inside. I did see something that was interesting while I was reading about organic. All these numbers I just told you here, 501, 500, 503, all this, these were started in Germany during the era of Adolf Hitler because Hitler made biodynamic illegal. You could be severely and seriously punished if you were practicing any biodynamic. So as a code, they started to refer to these different things like horn manure as preparation of 500 and horn silica as preparation of 501 instead of calling it horn manure and horn silica. And those numbers have continued to be used to this day, but they were originally started in the uh, Nazi Germany era. Uh, to well, the the fool everybody. So this is basically what you're doing with biodynamics operating principles. Uh, there, uh, the preparation is considered organs for nutrition, healing, and reproduction. And uh, th- this is. Uh, how they, the big part of organic, also the planting of the grapes by phases of the moon and having the soil and the areas around the grapevines are not sprayed or anything. You bring in goats and chickens to eat the areas between the two, uh, between the vines, and, and, and between the vines themselves and between the rows. And all this is all part of biodynamic. And it's, it, it's quite intense. It, it's quite a uh, – uh, oh, what's my word here? Um, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Labor-intensive, I guess, is is what I'm looking for, quite labor-intensive to do this. Uh, BioDen is another organization uh, that uh, does this, and BioDen is is all in French. And if you want to check that out, it's www.biodivin.com. Boy, there's that loud noise in my ear again. Um, BioDen has been around since 1995 and now has 148 branches in France, Germany, Italy, Portugal, Switzerland, and Spain. And all the winemakers that they have signed up use the biodynamic cultivation. So, oh, that, are you talking to me or is that something on the... I'm not saying anything. 
Oh, wow. That's just loud in my ear or whatever it was. I don't know what it was. Uh, but the BioGen has uh, all sorts of, uh, well, information there. Photo libraries, list of BioGen members and all that stuff. These are organizations that certify, and they're saying that they're, well, between the United States and uh, Europe and all that, they're, uh, we're looking at, you know, 750 or more, a lot more than that, about 850, 900 actually certified organic and biodynamic vineyards. So uh, it's quite a few. And there's ones throughout the United States. Uh, Montanor Estate in Oregon's Willamette Valley says they're seeing an uptick in interest in biodynamic wines. Uh, there, people are becoming more aware of it. The quality uh, and expressiveness of the wines are there. So uh, I'm going to go into more detail. I'm going to go into more stuff about this article next week. But that's biodynamic, and it, it's here. It's here to stay. Uh, and I'm going to this article a little bit more because it talks about the biodynamic, how it started and where it started and who started it and how it has progressed throughout the country and around the world. So that will be coming up next week. So big topic. (laughs) It is, you know, I, it's, it's, and between now and then I'm going to go out and get myself a bottle of biodynamic wine. Find one that says on the label, biodynamic wine. And uh, so I will do a taste test for us for next week. We'll see. Good. See what it tastes like. But right. part two, biodynamic wine next week. All right, write that down in my notes then. Well, I'll put that down. Uh, part two. Part two. Okay. Um, there you go. Wow. Um and that next week's show will be on the 28th of March. Uh, we will continue that. Wow. And <laughs> it's almost that time. 28th of March. We'll, we'll... I think baseball starts. I think the baseball season starts around there, too. Actually, I read something in the paper. I think the baseball season started yesterday over in Tokyo, Japan. I think there's two professional teams that played yesterday that actually applied to the standings. It's the actual beginning of the season. So baseball's here. I'm a, I'm a sports fan. So baseball's here and March madness this week. Good luck on your brackets. Anybody's filling out their brackets and everything for that March madness. Good luck. Uh, if you do get a hundred percent, please email me and let me know because I've never known anyone. I've never heard of anyone getting all of them right. So I don't expect any emails to be quite honest with you. <laughs> well, but uh, never know. But yeah, twenty eighth we'll be back. All right, we will see you all uh, next week. Uh, have a great weekend and uh, yeah, a safe week. And we'll and yeah, we say we'll see you all next time, seven p.m. Eastern time. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for listening. All right, thank you. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com 
forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.